You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Amen and amen. Good morning, 10 o'clock. My name is Jordan Greer, and I serve on staff here at Highland, and Pastor John is out of town, and so I have the absolute joy and privilege of opening up God's Word with you this morning. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 this morning, and so if you want to begin to find your way there, that's where we're going to be for the remainder of our time together. If you're relatively new to Highland, or if you haven't been here the past couple of weeks, we are in the middle of a summer-long series going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. And we're seeing what this potent little book has to teach us about Christ and his church and his character. So let's not waste any time this morning, and let's dive right into the text. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 24. Paul says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Verse 27. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And it's for this that I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works in me. And so when Pastor John first told me he was going to be out of town and asked me if I would preach and gave me the passage, I read it through and I thought to myself, well, thanks, Pastor. Give the young guy the passage where the first verse sounds like a heresy. Did you catch it? Look back at verse 24. Colossians chapter 1, Paul says, In my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. So John, if you're watching, ha ha. That's funny. So let's look at it together. Two things for you. What is Paul saying here? Well, Paul is not saying that Christ's death on the cross lacked any atoning power to save us from our sins. How do we know? Well, think about what Christ's final words on the cross were. It is what? Finished. And Paul knows this. Just last week, John walked us through the passage right above our passage for today, where we saw that we were reconciled to God by the blood that Jesus spilled on the cross. So there is nothing lacking in the atoning power of Christ's blood on the cross. But Paul says that I'm filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. So what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? If your Bible's open, and I know they are because we go to Highland and we never close our Bibles here, would you flip one page to the left, at least it's one page in my Bible, and go to Philippians chapter 2, the end of it, and stay with me. I promise we're going to get to Colossians, but I want to start in Philippians with a guy named Epaphroditus. And here's what's happening in the book of Philippians. 
Paul decides, or not Paul decides, but Paul begins to have some needs in his ministry. He doesn't have the resources that he needs to carry out his ministry. And so Paul says to the church in the Philippians, the, the Philippian church, I need resources from you. Well, the Philippians, they receive word that Paul is in need and they realize we can't all go to Paul to meet these needs. And so what do they do? They send a guy named Epaphroditus on their behalf to go minister to Paul and deliver the resources to Paul. And then after Epaphroditus brings the resources to Paul, Paul then sends him back to the Philippians and look with me at Philippians chapter two, verse 29. Remember, we're, we're trying to figure out what Paul is saying in Colossians. Paul says of Epaphroditus, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he, Epaphroditus, nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life, and here's our phrase, to complete or to fill up what was lacking in your service to me. So what was lacking in the Philippians' service to Paul? Well, it was the fact that they couldn't all be with Paul. Their presence was lacking. And so what did they do? I'm a visual guy, so I brought a baton, okay? The Philippians, they hear of Paul's need. And they say, we want to meet Paul's need, but we can't all go there. So here, Epaphroditus, you take the baton. You take it on our behalf, and you deliver it to Paul. So do you see how Epaphroditus filled up what was lacking in the Philippians' ministry to Paul. So with that in mind, flip back to Colossians chapter one, and let's try to figure out what's going on in the verse that we're talking about. Colossians chapter one, verse 24. Paul says, in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. So what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Their presentation throughout the whole world. You see, Christ right now is seated at the right hand of God, and he passed a baton to believers and said, go share my afflictions. That's what his afflictions are lacking, is a personal presentation of the gospel. John Piper would say it this way, what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ is not the very operative word, that they are deficient in worth as though they could not sufficiently cover the sins of all who believe. What is lacking is that the infinite value of Christ's afflictions is not known and trusted in the world. So the afflictions of Christ are lacking in the sense that they are not seen and known and loved among the nations. And so here's why Colossians chapter one is a very relevant passage to us this morning. God has called every single Christian to take the baton and share his sufferings with the world that the world might see his love through us. And if that didn't make a whole lot of sense, or if you're still trying to figure out who Epaphroditus was, you can write this down as a little summary statement. Because the head of the church, capital H, that's Christ. Because the head of the church joyfully suffered, 
we, the body, the church, we joyfully suffer on his behalf that the world might see Christ in us. Hebrews 12 tells us that it was the joy set before Christ to suffer. So church, we willingly suffer with him that the world might know him through us. You see, Christ could have sent angels with a little iPad to declare the gospel to every corner of the earth. He could have made the heavens an IMAX screen and played like a 45-second movie that would just proclaim the gospel to the entire world, but he didn't. Instead, he gives every Christian a baton, and he says, go, minister to the world. And so what does that mean for you, 10 o'clock Highland Baptist Church today? If you are in Christ, you are a minister. If you are in Christ, you have a baton. And this is not some optional calling. You see, if you are in Christ, you were not only saved, you were sent. What's optional about it, church, is whether or not you and I are going to faithfully run with the baton. The calling of minister is not optional for the Christian. The truest thing, one of the truest things I can say about you this morning is that if you are in Christ, you are a minister. And so in verses 25 through 29 of our passage, Paul is going to outline his model of ministry. And Paul's going to give us six markers of faithful ministry that I think we can learn from and apply to our own ministry. Note takers, this is going to be a clean sermon this morning. And I don't know if this was intentional. Maybe they taught it in Pharisee school, but these six markers conveniently follow the format who, what, when, where, how, and why. You'll see. Six markers of faithful ministry. Number one, who. Ministry comes from God to us for others. Look at verse 25. Paul says that he's a minister of the church according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. From God to us for others. You see, Paul is not on some kind of self-appointed mission. If Paul came up with the own plan for his life, his name would still be Saul and he would still be persecuting Christians. But God called him to something greater. And that calling for Paul's life was specific to him. Paul didn't intercept someone else's calling. God gave him from God to Paul a very specific calling. And what was that calling? It was to go to others, to go to the Gentiles, the one that God needed Paul to minister to. So practically speaking, what does this mean for you and I this morning? Well, it means that just like Paul, we have been given a calling from God to us for a very specific group of people. Did you know that your circle of influence is just like the fingerprint on your thumb, 100% unique to you? No one else, you think about that? No one else has the same family, friends, and coworkers as you do. Your circle, your fingerprint of influence is 100% unique to you. And God has said, I need you to take this baton to them because you are the only one who has that fingerprint. Oh. 
Second marker of faithful ministry, the what. What is ministry? Ministry is making Christ fully known. All this is coming straight from scripture. Look again at verse 25. Paul says that this ministry that was from God to me for you is to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. So what is ministry for Paul? It is making the mystery of Christ fully known. The mystery that is God's old unfolding plan of redemption for everyone, listen, through no other name but Christ. And this mystery, which is Christ in you, verse 27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the God of all creation, pleased to dwell in Christ and Christ pleased to dwell in you. That's what Paul sought out to do in his ministry, to make the mystery of Christ fully known. Third marker of faithful ministry, when, who, what, when, I told you. Ministry is ordained by God for a particular time. Look at verse 26. It says, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. You see, God's plan of salvation was only partly seen in the history of the Old Testament. But now, in the person of Christ, the mystery of God's salvation has been fully realized. Now, I don't want to over-preach this, but I think there's a truth in here that's very important for all of us to understand this morning. You see, Paul's ministry couldn't have happened a hundred years prior. Why? Because Christ had not come. You see, so often I think that when we think about our own ministry, we think about, well, not now, like maybe in the future. Like once I have kids, yeah, then I'm going to start ministering. Or once I graduate, that's when I'm going to start ministering. Or once I get that new job, or once I get married, or once I retire, then I'll start ministering. But church, while none of those aspirations are bad, our longings for the future must not undermine the ministry that God has for you today. You might not understand why God has you in the job that he has you in or why he has you in the season that you're in. You, on this side of heaven, you may never understand. But what we can know is that he has called us to be faithful while we're here. And so right now, Ministry is ordained by God for this particular time in Paul's life and in your life and in my life. Number four, where? Ministry is for every nation, people, and tribe, just like we just sang about. Look at verse 27. Paul says, to them, the saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery of the gospel is that Christ is for everyone, even the Gentiles. Paul was a Jew. He calls himself the Pharisee of all Pharisees. He was an Israelitist to the core. And so for Paul to be told by God that the Israelite, the Jewish God was gonna accept and love even the Gentiles, the Gentiles, that would have been earth shattering for Paul. But listen to what Christ did. Christ radically invaded Paul's preconceived idea about who was worthy to receive God's love. And he does the exact same thing in our hearts today. 
Who today are you looking at and saying you're unworthy of God's love? Who are you looking at today? Who am I looking at today where I say, yeah, I'll minister to all of them. Oh, but not you. You see, if Christ is for all, our ministry must be for all. So our ministry cannot be limited to people we agree with, people who look like us, or people, look out, who voted the same way as us. And so Paul says the, the gospel is for every nation, people, and tribe, and it's not up to us to decide who is worthy. And maybe, just maybe, that one coworker that you don't want to share Christ with, maybe that's who God needs you to share Christ with. Maybe. Number five, fifth marker, how? Ministry is done by proclaiming, warning, and teaching with wisdom. Look at verse 28, straight from scripture. Him, Christ, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So Paul gives us some of his strategy of how he goes about his ministry. Three things, proclaiming, warning, and teaching. Proclaiming is simply sharing the good news of the gospel. Everywhere we go, Christ and what he did should be on our lips. And that is oh so convicting to me. Is the cross part of your daily vernacular? When you think about your Wednesday or your Tuesday or your Saturday of last week, was Christ in your daily vernacular? Ministry is done through proclaiming Christ. Secondly, ministry is done through warning, warning believers of the dangers of this world, the ways that the world tries to tell us that Christ is not enough. And part of ministry is warning believers and saying, hey, look out. This is what culture is gonna tell you will fill you up, but watch out. And then teaching reminding believers of the truth of the gospel in order to combat those dangers. I think this is so interesting. Paul says you can't separate warning from teaching. Imagine you were driving on the road and you saw road signs, but they only told you where that road didn't lead. How helpful would that be? Hey, this one doesn't go to Dallas. Well, that doesn't help me get to Austin. Well, maybe it does, actually. That was a bad example. But, but right, if, if, you only, if, you, if you only warn people of the dangers, but you don't tell them an undergird warning with teaching, unbelievers are, or believers are not gonna know how to combat the dangers. And I know that in Waco, our road signs are correct, and we still don't know where to go, especially in downtown. But Paul says... Some of you just got that. But Paul says we have to pair warning with teaching, and that is ministry. And then look at this little phrase at the end of verse 28, or sorry, in the middle of verse 28. We proclaim, we warn, we teach with all what? Wisdom. And that wisdom comes from no other place than this book. If you try to proclaim and teach and warn Christ without this book, there's gonna be no fruit in your ministry. We proclaim, we warn, and we teach with all wisdom that is found in scripture. Sixthly and lastly, why? Who, what, when, where, how, why? The end goal of ministry is to present everyone 
mature in Christ. Look at the back half of verse 28. Paul says, we proclaim, warn, and teach with all wisdom that we may present to the end goal that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The end goal of ministry is not just seeing a bunch of people make a profession of faith. The end goal of ministry is seeing to it that those people who made professions of faith would be developed and grown into disciples who could then go develop and grow other disciples. And so what does that mean for us today? Here's a little sub point. Ministry then is not measured by efficiency. It's measured by faithfulness. Because it's not just us trying to find the most efficient way that we can share Christ and just get them saved for the number and then go move on to someone else. Paul says, I want to see to it that everyone is mature in Christ. In fact, Paul uses the word everyone three times in verse 28. And I pulled to Pastor John and I looked up the word everyone in Greek. And do you want to know what the word everyone in Greek means? It means everyone. Paul wanted to see to it that everyone inside of his thumbprint, everyone that Paul had influence with, he wanted to see to it that they were mature in Christ. And look at us 2,000 years later, still being influenced by Paul's ministry. Paul was faithful to his fingerprint and you have your Bibles open reading his words right now. Look at verse 29 with me quickly. Paul gives us a little important note about ministry. Paul says in Colossians 1 verse 29, for this I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works in me. You can write this down in your notes. No amount of our toil can make dead people alive, but Christ's power in us can. And I think in a culture that is all about, I can do it. Christianity and ministry is something that we could be we should be declaring, I cannot do it. I cannot do it apart from Christ and Christ alone. That's why Jesus says in John 15, the branch apart from the vine will bear no fruit, not even rotten fruit, no fruit. If you want Christian minister if you want your ministry to have eternal value, you must be drawing from the power of Christ. And so after detailing his ministry, Paul is gonna shift just at the beginning of Colossians chapter two. He's gonna shift to share with us two results of faithful ministry. So as you evaluate your life and as you wonder, am I carrying this baton well? Paul is going to give us two results that happen when we minister well for the Lord. And so result number one of faithful ministry, believers are encouraged in Christ. That's going to be up on the screen again in a second, but I do want you to see Colossians 2 verses 1 through 3. Paul says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, a nearby town, and for all who have not yet seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." 
So the first thing that Paul says is a result of faithful ministry is that believers are encouraged. And there are so many things in this world that just leave us discouraged and downcast. And maybe this very day, you are sitting in that seat and you are discouraged and downcast and confused. Well, good news for you this morning. Paul says that when the church is being the church and when ministers are ministering, believers get encouraged in Christ. Believers get encouraged in Christ. And maybe you've experienced this before. If you were in a season of discouragement and a grandmother or a CG leader or a pastor sat with you at coffee and listened to you and you left feeling encouraged in Christ. A result of faithful ministry is that those people inside of your fingerprint of influence that is unique to you would be encouraged. And so I don't know all of you, but I would venture to say with probably 100% accuracy that there is at least one person in your fingerprint of influence that needs encouragement in Christ this week. Maybe after a weekend like this, you know someone who's just feeling discouraged at the disunity in our nation, and they need to be reminded that there will be a day when every nation, tribe, people, and tongue, just like the flags around this room, will bow at the name of Jesus, and that could be an encouragement. There are people around you who need encouraging, and Paul says that a result of faithful ministry is that believers will be encouraged. Secondly and finally for us this morning, The second result of faithful ministry is that believers are grounded in Christ. Look at verses four and five in Colossians chapter two. Paul says this Christ in whom all are hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And Paul says this, verse four, in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. The ultimate display, Christian, of maturing in Christ is standing in the face of what the world throws at believers. Paul says in verse four that the world is gonna throw out as plausible arguments, probably arguing for what? That hope can be found in places other than Christ. You're discouraged? Well, the world's gonna say, look to this to find joy. Look to more money to find joy. Look to that sin to find joy. That's what the world's gonna say. You don't feel safe. You don't feel secure. The world's gonna say, look to our next president. Look to our current president. Look to our past president for security. But security is only found in Christ and Christ alone. And a result of ministry is that all believers would know that Christ is enough for me. My identity is found in Christ. My joy is found in Christ. And on days where I don't believe that, praise God for the people who I fall within their fingerprint and they encourage me and say, no, listen, you are found in Christ. That's a result of faithful ministry. So when we carry this well, believers are encouraged and grounded in Christ. And so my question to you, if last week John told us to put on the floaties because we were deep in a lot of theology, well, today we are very practical. So my challenge to you is who do you need to be ministering to this very week? 
Who is inside of your circle of influence that you need to be ministering to, that you need to be reminding of the love that God has for them? Is it as simple as maybe asking your spouse tonight, hey, what's the Lord been teaching you? That would be a gospel on-ramp that would spark a conversation that would lead both of you to feel encouraged in Christ. Or maybe it's asking your coworker if they want to go to Pinewood because it's the best coffee in Waco. If you want to go to Pinewood and ask them about what the Lord is teaching them or maybe share their, your testimony with them. Or maybe, and just maybe, it's about praying about what it would look like for your family to consider fostering and adopting. What a relevant prayer for a weekend like this. Maybe the ministry that God is calling you to is to show little children what God did to you by adopting you as a daughter and as a son of Christ. Or maybe it's, a, it's asking your kid if you can go to their room and pray with them tonight. We don't have to go to the ends of the world always. Do some, yes. But we don't always have to go to the ends of the world to carry our baton faithfully. There are people in your homes. There are people in your workplaces. There are people in your, wherever you, the school, wherever you are, there are people who need the love of Christ. And so church, ministers, if you are in Christ, the truest thing, one of the truest things I can say about you is that you are a minister. And Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God, has passed you a baton. And you have a unique fingerprint, a unique circle of influence that God is relying on you for. And he says, go, minister well. So church, run wisely with this. Run oh so wisely. Do not put this on a shelf. Do not neglect the calling to which you were called. You were not only saved, you were sent. That the world might see Christ in us. This weekend, eyes of America are on the church. And would the church be a representation of Christ? The world needs your ministry, so minister well. Highland, would you stand and would you pray with me? God, thank you that you are a God who has not only bought us from the penalty of our sins, but you have been given us a purpose. God, you have handed each believer in this room, each daughter and each son, you have handed us all a baton. And you have called us all to minister well to the people who are in our circle of influence. So God, we pray for an extra measure of boldness this week that we could minister well. And would we be oh so careful to not minister by our own strength? because it is by Christ and Christ alone that we are saved. So what would make us think that we could save other people by our own strength? That is by Christ and Christ alone. And so God, I pray this morning, God, would you plant deeply inside of us that Christ is enough for me, 
that there is no other hope to be found, no other identity to be found, no other security to be found, but through Christ and Christ alone. And God, as we sing this next song, I pray that for those in the room who maybe don't feel like Christ is enough, would the songs of the saints raise the arms of the discouraged and downcast in this room, even right now, because your word says that when we faithfully minister, believers are encouraged. So God, as we sing, Christ is enough for me. God, would that truth resonate in every single minister sitting in this room. And it's in that Christ's name that we pray and now we sing, amen.